At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Making sure your child's immunizations are up to date is more critical than ever. Hear why in this episode of Baptist Health Talk. Hello, Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a practicing preventive cardiologist and lipidologist at the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute in Baptist Health, South Florida, as well as Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. In one form or another, kids will be returning to school in the coming weeks. Each year at this time, public health officials and providers remind parents to make sure their children's immunizations are up to date before the school starts. Even though COVID-19 has turned our lives upside down this year, the need to vaccinate kids and teens has not changed. In fact, it's more important than ever. The CDC officially considers vaccinations an essential medical service. This means it should continue to be done during shutdowns or other decreasing and otherwise elective medical care. That's how important it is. We'll talk about why that's the case and how to make sure your kids and teens are protected in this episode of the podcast. I'm pleased to welcome two guests today. Dr. Lillian Rivera, a former health officer and administrator for the Florida Department of Health. Welcome, Lillian. Thank you. And Dr. Deepa Sharma, an academic chair for the West Kendall Baptist FIU Family Residency Program. Welcome, Deepa. Thank you. So, so guys, you know, as I said, back in, in, in May, the CDC did report that routine childhood vaccinations have decreased significantly since the start of the pandemic. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Dr. Rivera, do, do, we, do you have any idea if this trend is still conti- continuing? It was first reported a few months ago. We're we still seeing this decrease in routine um, childhood vaccinations. Uh, yes, thank you, Dr. Fialco, and thank you for hosting Baptist Health, hosting this very important podcast As a former health officer and also as a current consultant uh, to the Florida Department of Health with the COVID response, uh, we are looking at this uh, metric very, very closely. And we are already seeing the impacts of COVID-19 on childhood immunizations. The overall number of well-child office visits is down about 50%. Manufacturers are reporting a decline in vaccine orders and doses distributed through what we call the Vaccine Children Program, which are the free vaccines that are given out throughout the nation and its territories have dropped significantly. In a recent article, there's been a 50% drop in measles, mumps, rubella vaccinations, and a 42% drop in diphtheria and whooping cough vaccinations and a 73% drop in HPV vaccinations. Um, So that is, as a public health official, that is very, very concerning. So as a result of that, we have um, definitely in Miami-Dade activated the community to ensure that our vaccination levels start going back up. Before starting this podcast, I did check with the state, and we do have uh, a bit of good news uh, the vaccination levels are increasing in the state, and the well-child well office visits are uh, increasing thanks to telemedicine. So uh, back to you, Dr. Fialco. I think um, no, that's, that's that we'll it. keep on working on this, but definitely telemedicine is making a difference also. Thank you. But, but the point of that is it's a very troubling trend, uh, as you said, from a public health standpoint, not having these uh, routine vaccinations um, being done because of concerns. And uh, um, we'll get to a couple of things that we can do to kind of uh, offset those concerns. 
Dr. Sharma, similarly, um, from your your personal experiences as a family um, uh, medicine, your family medicine practice, are you and your colleagues seeing the same uh, type of um, um, situations that um, Dr. Rivera notes um, from her statistics? Thanks, Dr. Fialco. And, and unfortunately, we are in terms of what we see in the Family Medicine Center, where we see um, all ages from newborns to elderly. Um, well visits were certainly on um, the decline. And as Lillian mentioned earlier, um, you know, they had been uh, pretty low. Um, what, you know, what we've been trying to do, and, and I want to give credit to the Department of Health for our state um, in really trying to push the initiative and Baptist Health. Um, I'm very thankful for the support for our community because um, fortunately we are starting to see well visits come through the office. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, community education for the importance of the routine healthcare um, measures and recommendations. And then also coupled by our health system and also other health systems sharing what the safety protocols are, how patients know that it is safe to come into the office, um, giving you know social media play-by-plays on what to expect, having the front desk call in advance to say what to expect, having screening. And so I think as our, communi- our community learns that routine healthcare is still important and that our health systems are protecting our patients, I think we should hopefully see that upward trend that Lillian said that the state is starting to see. And that's actually encouraging. And we've had on previous podcasts guests, and we've talked about the the safety measures placed in the medical practices and in the hospitals and the facilities. In fact, in our in our cardiology group, we look at the amount of people who've become COVID positive, and most of it's from home. We say it's almost safer to come to work in a medical practice than being out there in the community because of those measures. But we do want people to recognize it's safe. Don't delay care. And here's a preventive service that we don't want to delay as well. So I thank you both for those uh, introductory comments. I want to take this in a couple of different directions, but I want to also um, have you guys comment on the concept of catch-up vaccinations. Um, can you comment? So so I missed it or I didn't get my child vaccinated. Is it is it too late or is this still a benefit to have your have your um, your child visit or your well visit? Can you talk about the concept of catch-up vaccination? Deepa? Yep, of course. So um, catch-up vaccinations are actually more common than people realize. And of course, we understand that life happens. And so uh, luckily, the Centers for Disease Control does have a catch-up vaccine schedule for providers and families to consult. Uh, We do recommend that depending on the vaccine, the age of the child, how many vaccines were administered, a little bit of more information to guide us on the catch-up planning. Um, But absolutely, catching up on vaccines is encouraged and recommended, and we have available resources. So it's not a matter of it's too late, I missed it, or I missed my child's opportunity, which is is great as well. Um, um, uh, Lillian, can you give us um, um, a few ideas of what are the types of diseases that we most routinely would vaccinate a child um, um, in order to protect against? Absolutely. Um, and, and it's very important that uh, folks understand that there are different type of requirements, right, that exist uh, within the schedule recommendation of the Florida Department of Health in the state of Florida. But we have age-appropriate uh, childhood vaccinations. We have diphtheria, tetanus, um, uh, pertussis. We have the polio vaccine, the measles, mumps, and rubella, which is we call the MMR very important vaccine. And I know Dr. Sharma and I, before we leave, we have to talk about measles 
because measles to me is the most scary disease of all of them because it's very, very contagious. So having low levels of vaccination and measles to me um, is something that we really have to make sure that we could do all we can to maintain adequate levels of vaccination for that disease. We have the chicken pox, which is the varicella. We have the Haemophilus influenzae, which is a type B, which we call HIV. And then we have the pneumococcal P, uh, PCV13 and the hepatitis B. So those are the most common uh, ones that are required for school. Um, in terms of immunizations, you have different requirements for childcare. You have different requirements for preschool. And most importantly, the requirements are so much for the public school system as the private school system. And there are special requirements for entry into kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. There is an additional requirement when you get to the seventh grade. So it's a little bit confusing and difficult to understand. And the parents, you know, struggle with the keep up with all of these vaccines. But it's really uh, simple and spelled out on the Florida Department of Health website. Uh, and I know that there are other many sites, the American Pediatric uh, Association and many other websites that really give you a detailed overview at a glance of what the vaccinations are that are required. So, so it's interesting. You went through a list of, of disease states that you know, I remember learning in medical school. And of course, I've never seen diphtheria or tetanus. But can you comment how these really were scourges in an age, in the day, prior to vaccines? Can you, can you relate a little bit how prevalent these were in society? My mom, who's in her early 90s, remembers when she you know, wasn't allowed to go out um, outside during the summer living in, in New York City because of uh, smallpox. And um, can, you, can you speak a little bit of the evolution of why these diseases that you mentioned are still around and at risk, but why we don't hear about them? Exactly. These are all debilitating diseases and unfortunately and also fatal. They could be fatal diseases. And the good news is that we have a vaccine for these diseases. Right now, you know, we're in the midst of discussing a vaccine for COVID and when is it coming and when is it coming? We need it. Well, for a lot of these diseases that you, Dr. Fialco, because you're, uh, you're young, you haven't seen, but I Thank am older. Thank you for older. that. <laughs> My bones don't think so. I am older, <laughs> and I have seen diphtheria, and I have seen tetanus. I actually had a patient, took care of a patient that died of tetanus. And these diseases are very, very scary. Uh, polio, we all know about one of our presidents who had polio. Sure. And I, think, I still think some people remember that. Um, so these are diseases that definitely can ca cause a lot of sequelae, what I mean harm, right, to the different organs in the body. It could cause blindness. It could cause lack of hearing. It could cause even death. But the good news is that we have, right, we have a vaccine to take care of them. Um, uh, but vaccines only work if you use them, right? If you get sure. them administered. If they, you don't, then we have a problem. But again, maybe Dr. Sharma could, uh, could uh, you know, talk a little bit about her experience and what of these diseases she has seen. I have definitely seen chickenpox. I have seen measles. I have seen H, uh, Hib, um, let me see, uh, and hepatitis uh, B. Obviously, that is not seen, but that is done through testing. 
and we have patients with hepatitis B and something that could be prevented. So Dr. Sharma, I don't know if you want to comment on, on your uh, practice, what you have you have seen of people who have not been immunized? Yeah, um, Lillian, I, I am really glad that you mentioned this because, um, you know, one of the things I think that John alluded to at the beginning, Dr. Fialco mentioned is, you know, even with everything happening with COVID, the usual diseases are still in existence. They've not gone anywhere. And so that's really what the foundation here of of reminding routine healthcare and vaccines as far as because the, the usual diseases are still out there. They've not gone anywhere. Uh, sadly, I have seen uh, preventable illnesses in my life. I've seen newborns with pertussis. Um, I actually uh, was on Maui, Hawaii when there was a measles outbreak there. Um, you know, in the sequela, as you said, um, the damage to the lungs, to the brain, if infection spreads is real, it's, it's harmful. Um, and it's very sad when we see preventable illnesses occur uh, because we do know that they're preventable. And I think that is why it's all important to make your medical visits for you, for your child. Um, everyone doesn't have to remember what these vaccinations are and when to give them. That's the caregiver's, provider's role. Um, but it speaks to that. And I will tell you, um, a year and a half ago, um, I was traveling uh, to a country where measles had, had an outbreak and I had my, te I was tested. And even though I had my MMR when I was young, I did not have measles titers. So I had to be, you know, revaccinated. Um, so Deepa, can you speak a little bit to that in, in, an, in an adult? Mm -hmm. um, is there a scenario where someone could get vaccinated and maybe should be followed to see, are you still immune? I think with the MMR it was prior to a certain time, mm -hmm. I think it was before 1965 or something like that. Do you, do you mm -hmm. deal with that in your practice or uh, your colleagues yeah. do? Uh, yeah, and, and, and it's great you mentioned that because it's not just the children and young adults that need vaccines, adults do as well. So uh, we definitely do, vaccines are usually addressed at the annual preventative uh, physical exam for most adults. Uh, however, you can ask your care team, and that includes the nurses or your doctor at any visit, what your vaccine schedule looks like. Um, and we do, you know, we learned, uh, as you mentioned, Dr. Fialco, that uh, with time, some folks lose their immunity to MMR, and so it's pretty common that for a certain age group, we might uh, do blood work to see if there's immunity there, um, and then give a booster if needed. Uh, you know, sometimes in women who are pregnant and planning or planning to conceive, we do titers to see if they're um, immune to um, preventable illnesses prior to conceiving. Um, definitely healthcare workers, certain occupational um, hazards put people at risk. So we, we check for immunity for like hepatitis B, um, you know, and, and people who work in close contact um, with other folks, we're always looking for, um, you know, meningitis protection. So uh, certainly at, I like to tell adults that it's very important at every annual to visit because every year our life changes. And so depending on our chronic medical conditions, we may need a different kind of vaccine depending on our occupation, our lifestyle. Um, it's something that, that should be visited every year. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I, again, appreciate those points as, as well. The CDC guideline does state uh, the essential service is in children, adolescents, adults, and pregnant women. Um, can you speak though, I think there was a recommendation which, which we want to be clear is, it's okay if you actively have COVID, it's okay not to get vaccinated during that period of time. Is that, is that fair to say? <laughs> yes, yes, that is fair to say. And actually in general, um, many times you'll hear that at the time of a visit for vaccines, they'll ask if you've had a fever or have been recently ill. 
um, and that includes COVID, because in order to have an optimal response to a vaccine, we like having a healthy body to you know give the vaccine. So COVID or any um, in infection or um, illness is a good reason to just put off the vaccine. So you guys are giving great information regarding the, pres the purpose of vaccinations at, at any age, the constant review of, are you up to date? What, what are the things you should be vaccinated for? The safety of coming to your practitioner to be vaccinated for uh, during a, a well visit or otherwise. Um, I wanna switch gears uh, for a second and I'm gonna ask both of you this. Um, you know, when we talk about safety, uh, unfortunately, in recent years, there's been a lot of incorrect information. Um, it's spread on the internet. It's spread in, you know, soft informational channels about the safety of vaccines. And, and we clearly don't have time to debunk all the misinformation. Um, but Deepa, can you tell us what are the most common questions you hear from parents that are related to misinformation about vaccines and how you how you handle it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really I'm really glad you brought this up, especially now. Um, misinformation is is a bigger issue than ever. Uh, I always tell parents and family members who ask me about vaccines. First of all, thank you for asking because asking your doctor is already taking the first step in looking to a reliable source of information. I credit folks who are motivated to learn about information, and so instead I like to empower them by giving them the sources that we rely on. So I do tell parents like, listen, check the CDC, check the Florida Department of Health website, check up to date, which is um, a physician and patient portal of information and medical information. Baptist Health has information for patients. Look at your sources that your doctor recommends and then use that data to make your decision. And that way you can kind of guide away from misinformation. Um, you know, a lot of folks are, um, you know, impressed by something they might hear, but that might not necessarily be truthful information. So empowering with reliable sources is what I usually do with um, patients and their families. And Lillian, similarly, um, what have your experiences so, been? How do you yeah. handle those types of questions? So uh, that is perfect. Um, you know, um, in my experience, most of the parents are confident in the safety and effectiveness of vac vaccines. They are. There is a group of, of parents that they need the right information, right? Misinformation is out there. It is out there, um, and it is, unfortunately, uh, in, in on the web, right? It's on the web and it is in chat rooms and so forth and so on. So the best thing, um, if they do approach a healthcare professional, a public health official, that we definitely sit down with the parents uh, or sit down with the patient and just explain to them uh, exactly where, like the doctor said, go to the CDC website. These are the reliable sources that you could use for information. And usually we do turn patients around. Uh, that has been my experience, at least in my public health career in Miami-Dade County. Um, but um, there are folks out there that uh, definitely do not believe in vaccines. But I'd like to say that those are minimum. That's um, that's that's worth um, that's worth hearing and, and reassuring as well, um, and we do want people to ask questions. We do want people to uh, feel comfortable with their um, their physicians, their providers to um, to understand why recommendations are being made. Um, so let's turn that into uh, again of all the vaccines that are going on right now. One of the things we really want to impress upon people is the flu vaccine, um, um, and that influenza is not COVID, and we want to really make sure, especially as the flu season begins, that people 
don't neglect that or not get it based on any fear. So again, Deepa, can I just comment on please the importance of the, the flu vaccine? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm glad you brought that up. The flu vaccine is very, very important now more than ever. And, uh, and if I may say, I've been pretty uh, happy to hear in the last few months from my patients that they're eager for the flu vaccine. They, they realize what the importance is and, and they're asking, hey, doc, this is a good year for me to get it, right? And my answer is absolutely. So yeah. I, think, um, I think folks are realizing that the vaccine this year is more important than ever. Uh, but I do want to encourage everyone to um, to pursue with that vaccine. And 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 Lillian, similarly, it's not just. Oh the my indiv- goodness! Yeah, the that's, individual. That's um, music. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm going to say, but also, you know, the individual, similar to COVID in a sense, but from the flu, um, if you, you know, see a loved one, if you see an elderly parent or something, you want to make sure um, not only are, are you vaccinated, but you also want to help uh, people around you get vaccinated as well. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, those, those Absolutely. types of Absolutely, uh, you know, and this is so important. And thank you, Dr. Sharma, because that's music to my ears. Uh, being a public health professional, hearing that people do have an interest in influenza, This is gonna be very challenging for all of us as healthcare providers and for public health, the flu, because it's also a respiratory illness. So we're going to have to see how serious our our flu season is going to be. Uh, Hopefully there'll be more acceptance of the flu vaccination. In children, we have been very successful in the past, but our numbers, unfortunately with the adults, has not been that successful. We do hope that now with all of our testing sites and all of our distribution sites that will be coming on board um, in terms of of the fall and the winter that we will have enough sites and encourage folks to get vaccinated. And that I mean, not only children, but adults, very important. I know that the CDC has been working on a possible diagnostic test that will test you for COVID and it will test you for the flu. It's not out there yet, but they are working on it and hopefully we'll have one test that could test for both. So that is also promising, a promising technology that we're looking forward to. But again, the flu vaccine is gonna be of utmost importance in terms of protecting ourselves during this flu season. Fantastic information, fantastic recommendations. So, um, so in a nutshell, um, you know, we want people to recognize it's safe to get taken care of. If you need to use a telemedicine visit to at least start the engagement with your provider, but but it should you should recognize the safety of visiting your doctor based on safety precautions that are in place in the practices, um, as well as for your children. We want to uh, reassure everyone, as well as encourage that it's important for children, adolescents, and adults to make sure your vaccinations are, are up to date. Um, and of course, we really wanna emphasize the flu vaccine um, due to it being another respiratory illness and with the season starting, given our, um, even without the, the COVID situation, but certainly during this. So that's great information, guys. Um, any final comments or any final points you wanna make regarding uh, the conversation we have now? We'll start with uh, Deepa. Yep, um, you know, just, uh, just remember that prevention is better than cure. That's uh, something I wish we could really just embed in everyone's eyelids, you know, to remember, (laughs) anticipate and prevent. Um, Lillian, similarly, any any final comments or anything, any uh, points uh, that we didn't hit on? You know, very important. We should not be distracted by COVID-19. We cannot neglect our general health. 
very important. Immunization should be routine and we need to be immunized. And as a patient of Baptist Health, I just did my visit with my doctor. Shout out to Dr. Javier Hiriart. I went to his office and everything was extremely safe from, uh, you know, um, getting my uh, registration ahead of time, going directly from my car to the doctor's office and everything. I felt extremely safe in his office. And I had my routine annual exam and I, I, I'm sure, I, I can assure you that I would recommend it to anybody to visit your primary care physician. I, I think that's well said. There has been a lot of effort um, uh, within the Baptist system placed towards those safety measures. And uh, I'm glad you recognize it as do many of the patients that I see. Um, and uh, it is most important to, uh, to make sure that you don't delay your care and you get your necessary care during this difficult environment. Well, again, you've, you've been great guests. I always like when um, I learn from my guests and I certainly did from you guys. Um, to our listeners, um, there will be uh, resource notes, uh, notes uh, for the podcast from the Florida Department of Health, the CDC and Baptist Health South Florida. Um, as usual, um, if you have any comments, thoughts or ideas for future topics, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. And again, for all of you, stay safe and mask up. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.